Hey, I'd like to ask you, if you would, to open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 28. We're just going to look at two verses there, maybe three eventually, but it's 28, 19, and 20, and there is a Bible app event for this message. You can follow along that way if you would like to. The passage of Scripture we're going to be looking at is called the Great Commission. The Great Commission. What, what does that mean? We use the word commission in a variety of different ways in our world. One of the ways you might use it is when you go in to buy something at a car dealership, that guy, maybe he works on a commission. When you say to him, you know what, I'm coming back on Thursday, he might say, I don't work Thursday. You think, well, I'll talk to another guy. And he says, no, I work on a commission. That is not how we're using it. That's not when we say the Great Commission. That's not what we have in mind. Um, there's another way commission is used. You might be commissioned to accomplish a task, to do a job. Uh, you are commissioned to teach Spanish at the high school, Carrie. And, you know, uh, that's her job. I might commission someone else um, to, to mow the lawn or to shovel the snow at the church. That's your, your commission. You've been called upon to do that. That's the way we're using it here. The Great Commission, it's, it's a call. And it was given by, guess who? Jesus. That's the one who gave it, and he gave it for all of us. After his resurrection, Jesus arranged to meet uh, his remaining disciples. You know, there were 11 apostles at that time uh, because Judas was no longer with them. And they were going to meet in the region of Galilee in a mountain there. And uh, when Jesus arrived, he said, All power has been given unto me. And then he said these words in Matthew 28, 19 and 20. He says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. That's the Great Commission. Go tell everybody about me, Jesus is saying, so that they can become my disciples and baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit, so that they can demonstrate the transformation that comes into their life when they have me in their life, and teach them all the things that I said, all these things that I've taught you. And the Great Commission is really what is at the heartbeat of the Christian and Missionary Alliance. We are the Christian and Missionary Alliance. It's kind of our middle name. And so like many other believers, we take this commission quite seriously. And that's why this Saturday, we're going to have two international workers here, husband and wife, from places like Santiago, Chile. They've been other places as well. They're going to be joining us. I hope you sign up if you haven't done so for Friday or Saturday night, rather, the pizza and wings and the gathering. And then next Sunday, you'll be here when they speak as well. Today, what we're going to look at is the Great Commission as we prepare to celebrate communion. Communion. Hmm. Speaking of communion... Um, some time ago, I was serving communion to a small group of people. And when I went in, I had the elements with me, the bread and the cup, and I did the whole communion thing, maybe took 10 minutes or so to do it with those who were gathered there. And I read the passage that you've probably heard in communion many times. It's Matthew twenty six twenty seven, where it says, then he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them saying, drink from it, all of you. Now, among that group of older people who were there when I was serving communion was a, a retired Methodist pastor. And I knew he was old school Methodist when afterward he graciously said to me, thank you so much for serving communion. I really prefer the King James Version of the Bible. <laughs> and then he said this. Listen to what it says. And then he took the cup, gave thanks, and gave it to them, saying, Drink ye all of it. Now, do you see the difference? 
It's in that last sentence. Drink from it, all of you. Drink ye, all of it. And then (laughs) this pastor began. And there's something, you know, you can take a pastor out of the pulpit, but it's hard to take the pulpit out of a pastor, right? And he looked and he said, as if to say, young man, (laughs) you know what I mean? And he said, that's what I want, all of it. Drink ye all of it, every drop, not just half of it, not even 90%. I want all of Jesus. I don't want a sip. I want a gulp. I want all of Jesus. And I loved his thinking. Isn't it beautiful? It's just so beautiful. Now, for the exegetical hair splitters among us, which is it? Is, which one's right? Both. It's not that the King James is wrong or the NIV is wrong. It's the way we're reading them that makes the difference. What's happening there is in that right-hand side of the screen where the King James says, drink ye all of it. If you explore the grammar, if you look into those things, you're going to see that it means drink ye all of it. And so it's not that you drink every drop of it, but that's a good idea. But rather, y'all drink it. Everybody drink it. Hmm. So I loved what that Methodist guy said. I feel the same. I do not want a little of Jesus. I want all of Jesus. It is more, (laughs) Jesus is more than just all right with me. Apologies to the Doobie Brothers. Jesus is all the world to me. We want all of Jesus. And that kind of connects with our mission festival theme this week because you see it on the screen on the left-hand side, all of Jesus for all the world. The Methodist pastor is right. All the world needs Jesus, and all the world needs all of Jesus. You and I need all of Jesus, and he wants, he wants all of us. Years ago, I was talking to a friend of mine. I'd known him for a few years. He wasn't going to church. He was a professing Christian, and I was encouraging him to go deeper in his faith. And uh, his reply was basically like this. You know, I'm pretty casual about my Christianity. I know a lot of people who take Jesus way too seriously. I'm a Christian, but I don't let it interfere with my life. I don't think Jesus wants that. (laughs) How would that work out in other relationships? Let's try it. I consider myself a casual husband. I like a little marriage, but I don't let it interfere with my life. That's a non-starter, isn't it? Or how about this one? I'm a casual mother. I like a little bit of parenting, but I'm not going to let it interfere with my life. Or even this, even this. You know, I'm a casual pastor. (laughs) I like a little shepherding, but I don't let any of you interfere with my life. Nothing could be further from the truth. Last night, I'm fast asleep, and all of a sudden, right beside my head, I thought, oh, someone has a crisis. You got to know. I'd have been on my feet and out the door in 10 minutes because I'm not a casual pastor. I'm not a casual Christian. On the other end of the phone, someone was speaking a foreign language and I hung up on them. (laughs) You know, biblically speaking, casual Christianity is kind of a contradiction in terms. Like, what do we say? Military intelligence, right? It's just those two don't mix together. Casual Christianity, well, Jesus says that we're all in or 
we're not. He says this a few times. Matthew chapter 12, verse 30, he says, whoever is not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather with me. So you could say in the first thing, well, I'm with you, Jesus. Obviously, I'm with you. I'm not against you. But look what he goes on to say, whoever does not gather with me scatters. You're either in or you're not. And another place, Jesus says one of the most offensive things that he could possibly say. Think about it. We're in a culture that thinks family is important. He's in a culture where if you didn't do right by your family, you were disgraced. And listen to what he says. In Luke chapter 14, verse 26, he says, If anyone comes to me and doesn't hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. What's up with that? I thought Jesus was all about love. He is. He doesn't want you to hate anyone. But he wants you to know that the kind of relationship he wants from you is deeper than any relationship you can possibly imagine this side of heaven. Jesus says, you're all in or you're not. And even after he ascends to his father, we see that he expects followers to follow. That's kind of novel, isn't it? In the early chapters of the book of Revelation, Jesus is dictating some short letters to a variety of churches that are located in modern-day Turkey. And he says of one of them, I believe it's the one in Laodicea, he says in Revelation chapter 3, verse 15, I know your deeds, that you're neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you're lukewarm, neither cold nor hot, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. You ever pick up your coffee cup and it was really cold? You're thinking it's hot. You take a drink of it and you're like, ah, oh. right? I will spit you out of my mouth. That is a really heavy statement from Jesus, isn't it? But he's making the point. <laughs> you and I need all of Jesus. And Jesus wants all of us. And if you've been following Jesus closely for a while, you know it's not just you and I that need him, that all the world needs Jesus. Do you like sharing? I love sharing. How many of you got some of my chocolates this morning? Put your hand up. Yeah, it was good, wasn't it? It was good chocolate. Uh, Here's what's ironic. I was given that chocolate just about an hour before I gave it to you. But this past week, I wrote these words. Listen to me read them. I love sharing. I'm the guy who, when I find something great, I want to share it with others. It doesn't matter what it is. If it's good chocolate, I'll break off a piece and share it with you. Right there. I wrote that last week, and then somebody gave me chocolate, and I shared it with about 20 of you this morning. If you didn't get the chocolate, I'm really sorry. You need to be at church earlier than you were. (laughs) By the way, I don't know if I mentioned this. Next week, that's when the donuts will be here during Missions Festival. Yay! I am with you. Yay! All right. Yeah. Do you like sharing? I love sharing. It's just part of my disposition. Honestly, if I just had a small chocolate bar and I saw you beside me, I would probably hold it out to you to break a piece off so you could have some of it. If I find a helpful app for my phone, I'm like, you should try this app. This is a great app. Give me your phone. I'll install this app on your phone. I'm that guy. If I find a great book, you should read this book. This is a great book. I might even buy the book for you. 
I love sharing. And if it's the forgiveness of sin and a release from shame and erasing your guilt and the assurance of eternal life and the spirit of the creator of the universe living inside your life, you bet you I want to share that with all my heart. I want to share that with all my heart. And I've heard the objections. You have too, right? Why you can't force your religion on others. I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. But for the most part, do you notice those objections often come from people who've never tasted the chocolate? They've never tasted Jesus. Hmm. You don't have to force great chocolate on anyone. And you don't have to force a gracious Savior on anyone. If they have any spiritual perceptivity, they know a good Savior when they see one. And when you share him, they get it. And they need him. There's a couple of reasons that I say that all the world needs Jesus, every last one of us. One of the reasons is because of the things we share in common. As human beings, we all struggle. We share a struggle to be good. I mean, unless a person is a certifiable sociopath, there is a part of them, something inside them, that wants to do good and to be good. There's something inside of us as well that wants to do bad. We'll talk about that some other time. But there are a number of reasons I say we want to do good. Here's one of the reasons. Whenever people do, whenever a person does something that's bad, they feel this sense of guilt. And it kind of bugs them. Not every time, but every person. Feels this sense of dirtiness, guilt. They, they, they feel like they need to be rid of it. That feeling of guilt is evidence in my mind that they really would rather do good than do bad, but they can't. Another example, <laughs> whenever people are identified with bad things, they feel a sense of shame. I've told you many times that I have done things or things I have done about which I am deeply, deeply ashamed. And I can say that to you because you're the same. And that feeling of shame that every human being feels from time to time is evidence in my mind that they would rather do that which is honorable than that which is shameful, but they struggle. We share a struggle to be good. And we know that there's a standard of goodness that we just can't reach. Classic passage of scripture about that. Is Romans 7, starting in verse 18, where the scripture says, For I know that good itself does not dwell in me, that is, in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what's good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, that is what I keep doing. <laughs> Some debate. Is the Apostle Paul talking about before he met Jesus or after he met Jesus? Really, for our purposes, it's irrelevant. Because we know doggone well that that is the case of all of humankind. We struggle to be good. (laughs) None of us are able to. And that stinks. I mean, that stinks to walk around with guilt and shame. (sighs) There's another thing we have in common with every other human being. We share a creator who gave himself for us. And that is where Jesus is different. That is where Christianity is different. 
No doubt you've heard people say, I've heard it said, I might have said it myself in some naivety in my distant past, that all religions are the same. (laughs) And when a person says that, all religions are the same, they either are misinformed or they're kind of wishing it were so, and that wish just isn't coming true for them. Jesus stands distinct from all other religious founders, religious leaders. Christianity stands distinct. And the place you see the difference is at the cross, where you see this thing called grace. And there is no other major world religion that has a savior dying for you, showing you grace so you can be freed from your sin and your shame and your guilt. None of them have that except Christianity. Sometimes I feel like people say, all religions are the same. At least the one I looked at was. <laughs> right? Yeah. I'm going to read to you from, a, and I've read portions of this before. If you've heard it before, just enjoy hearing it again. It's from a YouTube frontman Bono regarding the uniqueness of Christianity. He's not a theologian, you know. Sometimes he needs his mouth washed out with soap, but that's neither here nor there. Listen to what he says. <laughs> the thing that keeps me on my knees is the difference between grace and karma. You see, at the center of all religions is the idea of karma. You know, what you put out comes back to you. An eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. And yet, along comes this idea called grace to upend all that as you reap, so you will sow stuff. Grace defies reason and logic. Love interrupts, if you like, the consequences of your action, which in my case is very good news indeed because I've done a lot of stupid stuff. I'd be in big trouble if karma was going to be my final judge. I'm holding out for grace. I am holding out that Jesus took my sins on the cross because I know who I am. The point of the death of Christ is that Christ took on the sins of the world so that what we put out doesn't come back to us and our sinful nature does not reap the obvious death. That's the point. It should keep us humble. It's not our own good works that get us through the gates of heaven. (laughs) Wow, that's pretty dead on, isn't it? That is pretty dead on. And hear this sentence. No other world religion begins to teach that. Not even close. Not even close. They're all teaching that you get what you deserve. And so you better come on board this religion and do it because otherwise you're out. And frankly, I'm with Bono. (laughs) If I get what I deserved, I'm going to hell. Yeah. But grace. Grace. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Man, I need that. Humankind needs that. All the world needs that. And I am all for sharing grace with people who need it. All of Jesus for all the world. That is why we do missions. And of course, Jesus gave us that which we need to accomplish this. He gave us all the tools 
You can find these ideas in the, that I'm going to share, these next four points I'm going to share on the Alliance website or even in the card that you picked up. It talks about this sort of thing. I'm going to go back to the Matthew passage. This is the Great Commission, but it has a little context, the verse before it. In verse 18, rather, it says, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you to the very end of the age. That tells me, number one, that Jesus has all the authority, all authority on heaven and earth is given to me, and he shares that with us. You see, would you send someone on an errand? Maybe send one of your kids down to the parts store to get some spark plugs or, or send somebody to the grocery store to pick up some groceries without giving them the means whereby to get, without giving them the authority to charge the parts at the parts store if you happen to have an account there or even give them money to buy the groceries. That'd be silly not to give them the authority they need to accomplish the commission that you have given them. Jesus doesn't send us out to share his grace without giving us the authority to do it. And that authority is an authorization to act in his name, to speak on his behalf, to share his grace as he shared his grace. And as you celebrate communion today, you celebrate that the grace of God that you have received is something you can share with everyone, all of Jesus for all the world. He gives us that authority. And he gives us direction to take it to all nations. It says it right there in verse 19, therefore go and make disciples of all nations. Christianity, it's not an exclusive group. It's not an American thing. It's not a Western thing. It's not a European thing. It's not even a Jewish thing. It's an anyone thing. The door is open. In Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, we talked about it Thursday night. Drew brought it up. He says, it's in Matthew 11. I said, I think it's in Matthew 10. He's more of a detailed person than I am. He was right. Matthew 11, verse 28 says, come to me. Anybody know what the very next word is? All, exactly. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Hear what he's saying? (laughs) If you need grace, he's got it. And all are invited to come if they're weary. And burdened. When you get to the end of the book, you're in Revelation chapter 22, right toward the end of the chapter, in verse 17. The scripture reads the Spirit, that's the Holy Spirit, and the bride, that's the Christians. The Spirit and the bride say, Come. And let the one who hears come. And let the one who is thirsty come. And let the one who wishes take of the free gift of the water of life. Could the invitation be any more inclusive? I can't imagine. I can't imagine. It's for every nation. And he wants all those nations to hear the whole message, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Verse 20 of the Great Commission. All those things that he has commanded us, that our own efforts aren't going to make it, that we need to be humble and poor in spirit before God. And before one another. And we should love the Lord our God with all our hearts, with all our mind, all our soul, all our strength, everything we have. And we should love our neighbor the way we love ourselves. 
And we should act in humility and treat one another with mercy and love and grace and love and, and, and humility and justice. We have the message, and it's for everyone. How would the world be different if everyone got that? Huh. And he is the one who is always present with us. Always present. And surely I am with you always, verse 20 says, to the very end of the age. He is with us always. And his presence with you and me, his presence serves us as we serve him. His presence reminds me to pray for missionaries I meet, even this one that you'll meet on Saturday night and Sunday morning. A month later, that will come to your mind. Maybe you'll get a whiff of some wings and you'll think of the missionaries. And that will be God's presence saying, don't forget to pray for that couple as they're serving me where they're serving me. And his presence allows me to give sacrificially because I know that I can't outgive God. I know that I can't outdo him in his abundance and his grace because he is with me, never leaving me never forsaking me. His presence allows people to go. (laughs) Doesn't happen much anymore. Probably because my daughter and her husband have been where they are for so long. But I can't tell you how many men came to me and said, I don't know how you can allow your daughter to go there. Sending her there? Well, she's got her husband with her. He probably weighs about half what I weigh. He can protect her, right? And he can. He certainly can. But the two of them, they have the presence of the mighty God with them. His presence is with us always. And having that presence with me, whether I'm struggling and on the phone with my chaplain crying, thinking I want to quit ministry, or whether I'm enjoying chocolate and sharing it with my friends before church on the first Sunday of the month, like it's communion or something, chocolate communion, that's not what it was. But his presence with me in good times and in difficult times lets me know that this message, this gospel of the kingdom is worth sharing to the uttermost parts of the earth because everyone, everyone, should have his presence. Everyone should have what we have. All for Jesus. For all, I'm sorry, all of Jesus. For all the world. (laughs) I really love the story of the Methodist pastor, don't you? (laughs) Drink ye all of it. Not just half. Drink it all. Take every drop of Jesus. Not just a sip. Not even like 99.9%. I want all of Jesus. And that is what we get because that is what he gave. He gave all. And he wants all of me. I don't want to be casual about Jesus. I want to be all in. I want to be engaged in what he is doing among my friends, in my family, in my church, in my community, in my country, in my world, the world he put me in. And I want that for you too because I think it's the best way to live your faith. Engaged in the great commission that Christ has given to you, he's given to us.
And so as we come to the Lord's Supper, I want to pray that Jesus would speak to our hearts so that we would have all of him and share all of him with all the world. So as the worship team comes, would you take just a moment and stand with me if you're comfortable doing so, and then we'll pray. And I'm going to ask Laurel to play a little bit. We do the song after the communion, but if Laurel could play in a moment here, honey. Here's what I want you to do. Here's what I want you to do. This is communion. This is a time when you take the bread and the cup and you're reminded of what Christ has done for you. And, and I don't want you to respond to what he has done to you out of guilt or duty or obligation, but I want you to think about what he's done for you and, and see if that gives you a sense of gratitude in your heart, of thanksgiving in your heart. Are you glad that he did that for you? And, and, and as you are, as you are glad, then tell him that in the quietness of your heart and, and ask him, what is it that you want from me, Lord Jesus? How can I show my gratitude for you? Because I'm all in. Okay? So as Laura plays, take that moment and speak to God in your heart. Please be seated. Just want to uh, take a tiny little bit of my own story and give it to you. The moment that I realized I needed to be all in was when I saw the love of God in a way I'd not seen it before. I was dating Laurel, and I was telling her what a hypocrite I was. (laughs) And I honestly expected that she would say, take me home. And I was just being brutally honest. And she just leaned into me and wept. And I'm like, what is that? What is that? Here's what it was. It was grace. It was something unique to Christian faith. And I can remember, and here's the line if you've heard me tell my story. I looked straight ahead down the driveway at the garage door about 20 yards out. And in the silence of my heart, I said to God, If this is the way you love, I'm all in. I am all in. All in is a good good place to be. It's the right place to be. The Lord Jesus, uh, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, this is my body. I'd like to ask one of the elders if they would pray or whoever is the communion steward going to do that. One of the elders, if they would pray a prayer of thanks for the body of Christ, and then we'll take it together. Eric? In Matthew chapter 6, it says this. This is the bread that came down from heaven, so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. 
and the bread that I will give for this life of this of the world is my flesh. I pray that we would know that, that we would know him personally, that we'd understand these words and what Jesus offers us. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. The body of Christ. So if you'd like, you can open your communion cup. You'll want to make sure you get all of it. (laughs) Right? I love that guy. He said, this blood, this blood is given for you. It is the new covenant in my blood. Without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin, but by the shedding of his blood, our sin is cared for. Our guilt is gone. Our shame is erased. I'm going to ask uh, Tim if he would pray a prayer of thanks for the blood of Christ, and we'll take it together. Lord God, we are thankful for this. We're thankful that you died for us. We're thankful that you have given us this gift, Lord, that we we remember at this time. What a great gift. What an unbelievable gift. Something that we don't deserve. But we accept it. Sometimes that's the hardest part. But it's it's what you want. It's what you wanted to do and it's what you want from us. So for this, Lord, we, we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So before I say those words, the the blood of Christ, I'm going to say this. Drink ye all of it, the blood of Christ.